This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for November 27, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 13, verses 24 through 37. The message is by Mother Nancy Stanton. There was an elderly woman named Maud. And Maud had a window seat on a big, big 747 jetliner that had just taken off from Rome. She had, for Rome, she had been scrimping and saving to fulfill her dream of traveling to Europe, to visit the exotic places she had read about all of her life. But it was her first flight and she was terrified. Oh Lord, what am I doing up here? She kept repeating to herself. Even the stately presence of the four bishops that were seated behind her didn't help her to feel better. With fear and trembling, she finally opened her eyes and she peeped out the window just in time to see one of the plane's four engines break loose from the wing and disappear into the clouds below. Maud was panic-stricken. We're going to die! We're going to die! The chief stewardess immediately consulted with the pilot and then announced to the passengers that everything was under control. The captain assures you, she said, that he can fly the airplane back to New York and land safely with only three motors. But the poor, panic-stricken Maud continued to cry out, we're gonna die, we're gonna die. And the stewardess came over to her and said, don't worry, my dear, God is with us. We have only three motors, but look, we have four bishops. To which Maud replied, I'd rather have four motors and only three bishops. <laughs> Our Lord has told us today in the gospel that we do not know when the time will come. In our story, Maud was certain that hers had arrived. Quite unexpectedly, right then and there on that plane to Rome, but because we don't know, and as our Lord also has advised us today, we need to be ready. As you can tell by the different colors of our vestments, we've entered into a new season. It's a different season of the church's liturgical calendar. In fact, it's not only the first Sunday of Advent, Advent but it's also the first day of the church's new year. Until the end of the liturgical year on the Feast of Christ the King next year, we will be primarily hearing passages from the Gospel of Mark. But what is the purpose of this season of Advent? I'm sure that you would all answer this question by saying that it's the season in the church year which leads to Christmas. So in order to better understand Advent, we have to understand 
the origins of Christmas, which was not celebrated by Christians until the fourth century. The pagans of that time saw the world as a great cosmic struggle between the powers of darkness and the powers of light. And they noticed that at different times, darkness seemed to be getting more of the light, so to speak. They were watching, if you will, two great cosmic wrestlers. And at this time of the year, it appeared that the wrestlers called darkness would seem to be getting the upper hand because the days were getting shorter, at least until December 21st, when at that time they noticed that the tables were beginning to turn and the sun was regaining its strength. And so when they saw this happening on an annual basis, the pagans celebrated the resurrection or the return of the light of the sun. It was called a sun feast, marking the transition of time from darkness to light. When the Christians came along and took over this pagan notion, they said, it's a pretty good idea. Not, not a bad idea that you've got here. After all, we know that if you're really talking about darkness and light, the only real darknesses of this world are the darknesses of sin and the darknesses of death. And the only light in this world is Jesus. So we'll keep your ideas. But what the Christians did, as it were, they took the word sun, S-U-N, and they took out the middle letter U, and they changed it to an O. So the sun they were talking about was Jesus, the Son of God. And they made this time of the year a celebration when we would get ready for the tables to be turned. In the great struggle, this was the time when sin and death would now be overcome by the light of the world, Jesus, the Son of God, the S-O-N of God. So they called this time Christmas, and they made Advent the time of considering an end of darkness and looking forward to the upcoming light. Makes sense, right? Makes a lot of sense. Thus it is that the readings, especially during the first two weeks of Advent season each year, look forward to the end of time, the need for us to be prepared. This theme of preparedness was in the news a few years ago a great deal. Do you remember Y2K? Boy, we were all prepared. I got so tickled with my brother. He had his house packed full of food and water and all this stuff. He just was absolutely certain that we were going to be in big, big trouble. Well, I suppose we could have been. The Y2K crisis threatened to shut down much of our modern technology, and that could have been a problem. Pat, were you worried about the computers at that time? 
It was, it was a, a worrisome time. And I'm sure that some of you scurried around making sure that your own computer systems were Y2K proof. And why did you do that? Because you knew if you didn't, you'd be playing with fire. If you weren't as prepared as possible, you would wake up on New Year's Day and find that all of your computer systems were down. And in this day and age, boy, would that have been a panic situation. Just think of what all we put on our computers. I bank on mine. I do all of my banking on mine. I haven't been inside of a bank in years. I work on my sermons on mine. I pick up stuff that I think, ooh, that's going to be coming up, and that would be something interesting to maybe look into to put into a sermon. I keep track of my family's birthdays. Now, you may think that's a simple thing, but when you have six children and six spouses that go with them and 20 grandchildren that go with them and the spouses that go with them and 19 great-grandchildren, that is not a simple thing. If I lose it, I'm in trouble. I couldn't remember probably anyone's birthday but my own children and maybe a few grandchildren. So I really count on my computer for a lot of things, and I'm sure that many of you do too. It's the same in our spiritual lives. We need to constantly be ready because we don't know the day or the hour. And suppose we knew when the end would come. Would we live different lives? How? How would we live different lives if we knew? One author suggests that if it's not too early to give some things away this Christmas, not just on Christmas Day, but during the days leading up to December 25th, we could call these daily gifts our Christmas projects, maybe one per day from now until then. A few suggestions might be mend a quarrel. Seek out a forgotten friend. Dismiss suspicion. That's a biggie. It's a biggie. Write a long overdue love note to someone. If it's just to say thank you for you being you. Hug someone. And whisper to them how much they mean to you. Forgive an enemy. Pray for that enemy while you're forgiving them. Be gentle and patient with a person that you see who's angry. I used to get so angry at people who had road rage. I was hit by a woman broadsided who had road rage and had a lot of problems after that. 
and maybe some of my problems that I'm having now with, with walking and standing are from that. I used to be so angry with her. Why did she have to be so angry? Why did she have to ram into the side of my car? But she was an angry person. And I found out other, at another time that that morning her husband had told her he was leaving her. She was hurt. She was angry. Have fun with a child. You know, if we could just come off of our adult high horses and come down and play with a child. Jesus says we have to be like little children to enter the kingdom of heaven. And we just are too adult. It's so much fun to watch kids. They're so pure. Find time to keep a promise. Make or bake something for somebody and give it to them anonymously. When my car burned up a few weeks ago, my neighbor didn't do it anonymously, but she brought me a cheesecake. And she said, cheesecake makes everything look better. <laughs> well, it did, and I brought it to Bible study, and we enjoyed it, and it did make things look better. Didn't make the car come back, but it made me feel a whole lot lighter than I did. And now, I'm, if you all notice, I have a beautiful van that is known from henceforth and forevermore as the Godmobile. Because God gave it to me. Literally, God gave it to me. Just listen for a change. We're so fast to jump in when somebody wants to tell us something and tell them all about how we would do it. Just listen to them. There are so many times, men, when your wives just want to express their feelings. And men are fixers. They want to fix everything. And so they jump in and they try to fix it. And that wasn't what she was looking for. She was just looking for you to listen. Just listen to how she was feeling. Enter into someone else's sorrow. We don't want to do that. We'll listen to what they say and I'll pray for you. We turn around and walk away. Really enter into their sorrow and understand how they're feeling, and how tough what they're going through really, really is. Kneel down and pet a dog. My oldest daughter's dog is visiting us at this point in time. And I've said that he makes me giggle. I was sleeping Friday night about 3.20. I woke up because there were 
paws on the side of my bed. And he was looking at me with his head cocked like, what are you doing? And I couldn't help but just laugh and pick him up and love him. And he just made me feel good. Dogs do that. Dogs do that. Dan Brill has been bringing his dog over to the office while he's been working on it. And it's so much fun when he's over there. He comes and he puts that big head in your lap and looks up at you like, you know, I'm just a puppy. I just want you to love me. 100-pound puppy. Lessen your demands on others. So many times we expect people to do what we want them to do. Not what they're capable of doing or what they want to do, but what we want them to do. Listen to some beautiful music. I've been listening to the King's Choir with their Advent service in the car, and it's been so gorgeous. And it's put me so much in the mood for Advent to be here. Apologize if you're wrong. Boy, there's a toughie. Nobody wants to be wrong, and nobody wants to apologize. Turn off the TV and just talk. The TV seems to rule our lives or the computer or games. Just turn it off and talk. Treat somebody to an ice cream cone. It might not have been something they've had for a long time. If you don't normally do the dishes for the family, do the dishes. <laughs> Pray for someone who's helped you when you hurt. Many times you know of people that have, have helped you when you were really hurting. And maybe that person needs for you to pray for them for a minute. You ever wake up in the middle of the night and feel that God was asking you to pray for a certain person? If you do, stop and do it. There's probably a reason. Encourage an older person. A lot of times older people are really having a tough time. And one of the things that I realize as I get older, and maybe some of you do too, that as you get older, your body may fall apart, but your brain seems to be back when you were 25. You know, I don't feel old here. I feel old in my body, but I don't feel old there. I remember years ago, David and I used to buy groceries for a lady that was an older